0: You know, there was a lot of different, a lot of different characters that took part in the Christmas story. But I would have to say that of all of the characters in the Christmas story, the ones that I like the most, the ones that I seem to identify with the most, not because of what their title was, because I don't consider myself nearly as wise as I would like to be, But I really admire, I I really respect the wise men. And and this morning, if you'll just give me just a few minutes before we go into our communion time together, I want to just talk to you for a minute about what it was that made the wise men wise. What was it that made the wise men wise? Everything that we know about these wise men... We pretty much find out in Matthew chapter 2. So if you want to take your Bibles, if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there with me, I'm going to be brief this morning, as brief as I know how to be. But pretty much everything that we know about these wise men, we find out about here in Matthew chapter 2. There's a lot that we know about the wise men, but there's even more that we don't know about these wise men one thing that we don't know about these wise men contrary to popular opinion is that we don't know how many of these wise men they really were now we have just assumed that there were three because they brought three gifts but it would have been very unusual for just three men to travel alone the distance that they traveled from where they were to get to where jesus was so possibly and likely there were many more than just three of these wise men. We don't really know that for sure. Another thing that we don't know about these wise men is we don't know their names. Nowhere in Scripture are we told their names. Why? We're not even really told that they were wise, they're just called wise men. And really, a better name for them would be magi. And, and that word magi is the same word that we get our word magician or magic from. So that gives you a little bit of an insight as to who they were. They, they really were astrologers. They were men who studied the skies and studied the stars. But one thing that you need to know about why they were studying the stars is this. They were studying the stars in their search, in their pursuit... Of God and so here's what the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 2 beginning at verse 1 it says now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king behold wise men from the east came to Jerusalem now, now let's back that up here for just a moment because it says now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem now I know that when we do our Christmas pageants and when we do our Christmas productions you know that we see Mary and Joseph and the manger and the baby Jesus in the manger and we see animals and we see the shepherds and we also see the wise men but the wise men were not present for the birth of Jesus they didn't come along until after the birth of Jesus and as we're going to see in this passage of scripture this morning it's very possible that the wise men didn't arrive until nearly two years after the birth of jesus but it says after the birth of jesus or now that after jesus was born in bethlehem of judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. So another thing that we know about them is that they came from the east. So they're moving from the east to the west. And the journey that they're going to take, now get this. Now we don't, we don't sometimes understand. We don't, we don't sometimes have all the information, but the journey that they would take was a journey of possibly up to a thousand miles that they would have to travel. Some say that it would have taken four to six months. Others say that it could have taken them up to two years to make this journey from the east to the west. And possibly where they were from was from Babylon. And so they're traveling from Babylon to Jerusalem. then the Bible says this in verse 2 saying this this is the reason they've come to Jerusalem where is he who has been born King of the Jews for we have seen and look at this his star in the east and have come to worship him now notice what these wise men are doing they make this long journey Looking for someone seeking for someone and the person that they are seeking for is the Messiah They're seeking for God. They are seeking for the king of the Jews for they said we have seen his star. Now, let me just tell you something you might be pretty important, but I guarantee you you don't have your own star But the Bible says in this passage of Scripture we have seen his star Now, here's what I think is amazing about this. This is just how God works. Is that here are men who are astrologers, men who study the sky, men who study stars, the thing that is interesting to them, the thing that they spend their life doing, and God uses that to bring them to Jesus. Can I just stop right here for just a moment and say that we all really do have... Our star that thing that God used to bring us or that person that God used to bring us to Jesus for some of you maybe it was a person for some of you maybe it was an event for some of you maybe it was an experience for some of you maybe it was a book that you read or a song that you heard or a movie that you watched that suddenly got your attention and God used that To bring you to Jesus but notice what it says it says for we have seen his star in the east and we have come to do what to worship him to worship him why are we here this morning are we here today just because it's Sunday Are we here today just because it's our obligation to be here? It's Christmas Eve, and so we want to celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. We just want to come and listen to some music. Do we want to just come and listen to a little message and have communion and a candle lighting and then go home? No, here's why we are here today. We are here today to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if you haven't done that yet, right now would be a really good time for you to give him a praise from your heart. A heartfelt praise. Amen. He said, We've come to worship him. But then notice what happens in verse 3 when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. You see, this is one reason why we believe there was more than just a few wise men, there were enough of them that it troubled Herod. There were enough of these men in this caravan that when they came into Jerusalem that it troubled all of Jerusalem. And evidently they were pretty prominent men, very influential and powerful because they had no problem getting an audience with the king. No problem getting an audience with Herod. But notice what it says, it says that when Herod the king heard this he was troubled. That word troubled means to shake violently. He was troubled not just by their presence, but he was troubled because of the message that they brought. Where is he who is born king of the Jews? Why? Because Herod was a self proclaimed king of the Jews. He was large and in charge. He was the man who ruled and reigned, he was the man in control, he was the man on the throne. And so when he heard this about the birth of the king of the Jews, the birth of a Messiah, his response is he's intimidated and he becomes hostile and he wants to kill the Messiah, why? Because he's not gonna have anybody tell him how to live his life. He's not gonna have anybody tell him how to run his show. He's not gonna tell anybody how to rule his kingdom. And that's still the way that some people receive the news of a Messiah. That Jesus has come, that a king has been born. They reject him. They're intimidated by him because they're in charge. They're the king of their kingdom. They control their life, and nobody is going to tell them how to live their life. And then it said that all of Jerusalem was troubled with him in verse 4 and when he had gathered all the chief priests, and scribes so Herod. Here's what he does. He gets all the religious leaders the chief priests and the scribes those people who will know what the Word of God says About the birth of Jesus and he inquired of them of where Christ was to be born and the chief scribes and Pharisees said to him He is to be born in Bethlehem of Judea for thus it is written by the prophet But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Oh, he is one that was going to reign, and he is one that does reign. But notice how he reigns. He rules not as a tyrant, but as a shepherd to lead his people, to teach his people, to feed his people. But I want you to notice something that's very odd to me here. Herod brings those religious leaders in they know the Word of God They know exactly where Jesus was supposed to be born and they're only five to six miles away from Bethlehem But they were too busy studying the scriptures and reading the scriptures and interpreting the scriptures They were too busy with their ritual. They were too busy in a sense going to church so busy doing the religious thing that they didn't take the time to walk five minutes down the road or five miles down the road to where a savior had been born you got wise men that traveled perhaps a thousand miles to get there but the religious folk wouldn't go five miles to where jesus had been born So, Whereas Herod was intimidated the religious people were indifferent. They were apathetic And you know what if we don't if we're not careful this morning summits in Church of God We can fall into that same kind of trap we can become so indifferent so apathetic to say we've seen it all We've done it all we've read it all we've experienced it all there's nothing else to experience There's nothing else to know there's nothing else to learn and we become so apathetic about our relationship with God and God can be right in our presence and we not be aware of it. Then the story goes on and says Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. Now, why do you think he wants to know what time the star appeared? Because the star appeared to the wise men at the moment that Jesus was born. This is why most scholars believe that Jesus was probably about two years old because it would have taken them about two years to get from where they were to where Jesus was. And when Herod was trying to destroy Jesus, what did he say? He said, I want all babies, what, two years old and under. All baby boys, all two years old and under, killed, murdered. Because he knew he could be as much as two years of age at this time. And so he needed to know exactly what time did that star appear unto you. And then it says in verse 8, And he sent them, Herod sent them to Bethlehem, the wise men, to Bethlehem, and said to them, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Liar, liar, pants on fire. He doesn't want to worship him. Wants to kill him so the wise men do something that the religious people didn't they obeyed the Word of God when they found out from God's Word where Jesus was they went the Bible says in verse 9 when they heard the king they departed and behold the star which they had seen in the east went before them so evidently the star had disappeared after it initially showed up it disappeared but now it reappears it says that the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was and then I love verse 10 and when they saw the star they rejoiced with great joy let me ask you this have you rejoiced over the star that God put in your life whether it was another person or whether it was an event or whether it was an experience or whatever it was that God used to bring you to Jesus, have you taken time to rejoice because God put that star in your life? And there's been all kinds of debate over what this star was but can I tell you what I believe the star was I don't believe it was a star at all I don't believe it was Halley's Comet I don't believe it was planets that were aligning coming together like a lot of the theories have been pitched to us no here's what I believe it is I believe that it was the Shekinah glory of God that any time in Scripture that God wanted to guide and direct and lead his people he always did that by giving them a light like the children of Israel in the wilderness he gave them a pillar of fire that would lead lead them by night and listen to me this morning I believe that this was the Shekinah glory of God because stars don't move from west to east stars move from east to west stars don't move from north to south that's just not the way they do but this particular star is on the move which I believe represents the presence the Shekinah glory of God because notice where it settles it settles right where Jesus is amen and when they saw the star they rejoiced with exceeding great joy and then verse 11 says "And when they had come into the house they saw the young child with Mary his mother and they fell down and they worshiped because when you're in the presence of somebody that you realize is far superior to you then you fall on your face recognizing they are way high, and I am so low. And they bowed before him and worshiped him. That's the purpose, that's the reason they had come to begin with, was not just to find him, but to worship him. Then it says, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. Because, you see, that's what worship requires. Worship requires we give something of ourselves. And what they brought this day, they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, yes, they brought these because these were the most valuable treasures they had. And they were saying to the king that you deserve the very best that we have to offer. But more than that, there was something represented in these gifts. Gold was the gift for royalty. You see, you did not go before a king in this culture. You did not go before a king if you did not have a gift to present to that king. And the appropriate gift for the king was gold, representing royalty. And so when they presented him the gift of gold, they were saying to him that you are royalty. You are king of kings, and you are lord of lords. But they also brought frankincense. And frankincense was an incense that they used in the temple. The priest would burn that incense, representative of the prayers that were being offered up by the priest. Prayers of atonement, prayers for the forgiveness of sins. As a matter of fact, the word priest comes from the Latin word pontifex, which means a bridge builder, that a priest is a bridge builder. A priest is an intercessor. A priest is one who takes the problem by one hand and the answer by the other and brings the two together. And so as they were giving him frankincense, they were saying to him, you are our high priest who will reconcile us to our father. Amen. And then they brought myrrh. Myrrh. Let me tell you what myrrh was used for. And it's odd that they would bring this gift, but myrrh was used to embalm a dead body. It spoke of our humanity. And in presenting myrrh to him, they were saying, you were born to die. That you were born to be the Savior of the world. So what is it that makes these wise men wise what makes these wise men wise is that they teach us that wise people seek God Let me tell you something about America America is a nation of seekers as a matter of fact people come from other nations to America doing what seeking a better life And so we are a nation of seekers especially this time of year how many of you have ever seen the movie jingle all the way ever seen that if you haven't you need to watch it it's hilarious it's Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad and they were on the quest to find the hottest toy of the Christmas season turbo man and in this movie it's crazy the mayhem that they go through trying to locate the hottest toy of the season all the places they go all the sacrifices that they make trying to find the hottest toy of the season. Some of you understand what I'm talking about because you've been doing that the last few days. You know, those hatchables and those fingerlings, you know, the hot toys this year for the kids. But here's what these wise men teach us. They teach us that wise people seek God. And here's what the Bible tells us about those that seek God. In Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And that's what we see with these wise men. They were willing to travel the distance. They were willing to travel the hazardous terrain. They were willing to go through whatever it was that they had to go through to get to where Jesus was. Let me ask you this morning, do you have that kind of an attitude when it comes to your worship? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to get into the presence of Jesus? Seek God. Wise people seek God. But not only do they teach us that wise people seek God, they teach us that wise people obey God. Those religious leaders knew what the Bible said. They knew all the prophecies. But they did nothing about it. But not the wise men. They didn't know where Jesus specifically was supposed to be born that's why they first go to Jerusalem because they just think well he's the king of the Jews and Jerusalem is the capital of the Jews and that's where the king is so we just kind of figured that's that's where he'll be born and and where did they show up they showed up at the king's palace why because that's just where kings are born is in the king's palace but when they get there they realize after hearing the scripture read that not in Jerusalem would he be born but in Bethlehem the least among all the tribes of Judah in Bethlehem and when they showed up I can guarantee you it wasn't what they were expecting (laughs) because they were expecting a king and they found a baby not someone with a crown on their head and a scepter in their hand and a robe on their back but they came and they obeyed They followed the star. They followed the word of God. And James tells us that that's the key. He says this. He says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. In other words, we're not wise when we hear and don't do anything. We're foolish. And he goes on and he says, for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. Anybody ever done that before? I have. When we were in Atlanta I was on a staff retreat with some of my guys and we were matter of fact we were out here at Camp Utopia we had come over to Alabama to Camp Utopia and we were leaving that morning and I shaved and I was using a dull razor And, man, I nicked myself five, six, seven times. And and so you know how you do when you don't have the proper equipment. You just take toilet paper, you know, and you stick it, you know, on these little cuts and nicks on your face. And I did that. And I forgot that I had done that. And the guys that were with me were not going to remind me that I had done that even though they saw me. And on the way home, I told him, I said, listen, guys, I used to pastor in Leeds. We're going to stop in Leeds. There's an awesome restaurant there. And plus, I want you to meet the owners of the restaurant. They still hadn't said anything to me. And we walk into the restaurant, and I'm introducing them. I mean, man, I'm just having a heyday. You know, these folks, awesome people, got awesome food. I'm doing all, introducing all kinds of people in the restaurant and all this toilet paper on my face. <laughs> Foolish. Foolish. We glance and we forget. But notice, he said, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard then, God will bless you for doing it. Not for hearing it, for doing it. And do you know where their obedience eventually led them? Right into the presence of the Lord. Which brings us to the last thing that wise people do, and that is wise people worship. God, I need to be in his presence. I don't need his presence, but I need. And when I talk about presence, I mean gifts. I don't need those, but I need his presence. I need to dwell in his presence. I need to live in his presence. I need to walk in his presence. The Bible says Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. The Bible talks about a sacrifice of praise and a sacrifice of worship. And that's what these wise men did. They sacrificed not just to get into the presence of the Lord, but they sacrificed once they were in the presence of the Lord for they gave him gifts. But can I tell you just one thing, just one thing this morning, that I believe there's some folks sitting here under the sound of my voice here today that you need in your life. Just one thing that you find when you get into the presence of the Lord. Psalm 16 and 11 says that in your presence is fullness of joy. It's fullness of joy. Now look, I can look at some of your faces and I see your faces on a weekly basis. And I can see an absence of joy because if there's joy in your heart, then it's going to show up on your face. You're at least going to smile. At least your eyes are going to be bright. You say, well, I'm just not a very, you know, expression, you know, per- person that, that that gives a lot of expression. Listen, if there's joy in your heart, whether it's joy over your marriage, joy over your children, joy over maybe a financial, some good financial news that you just got, joy that you got, a, just got a promotion on your job, you, you're going to express yourself. That joy is going to show up on your face, and people, listen, who have been in the presence of God. You know that they have been in the presence of God because there's joy in their heart and there's joy on their face. And then he said at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know what I think people need to see when they come into Summerton Church of God? Not frowns and faces It Looked like my daddy used to say this all the time Looked like they just drank a jar of pickle juice But when people walk into this place they need to see the joy of the Lord the joy of the Lord and in his presence is fullness of joy and the joy of the Lord Is our strength and Jesus came so we could be joyful joyful is there anybody here this morning who knows what I'm talking about joyful why don't you just look at somebody right now and put your joy face on show them your joy face that's the best gift you've given all Christmas right there is your joy face You see how contagious it is? When you give your joy face to somebody, it causes somebody else to have a joy face. Amen. In his presence, it's fullness of joy. So wise men teach us that wise people worship, that wise people obey, and that wise people seek God.